Oh, you're already recording. <laughs> we can fix it in post, right? <laughs> I suspect there's going to be a lot of fixing in post here. I'll have what she's having. Welcome to Our Better Half, a podcast about sex over 50. It's October 25th, 2016. I'm Laura Lister-Mensch, the host, and I have big news. This will be my last episode, but fear not. You're about to get two new hosts. And in a total change of pace, the guest today will be me, interviewed by my husband, Mark, about the whole thing. So yes, I am stepping down as host, and this is a good thing. For me, because I've started a new company and have a new podcast starting up, and because after 10 months of talking about sex in the second half of life, there's so much left to explore. But I look forward to other voices taking it on. And so you are getting two wonderful, capable, and knowledgeable new hosts. In fact, you've already met them. Jane Fleischman, guest on episode 18, and Ashley Mater, our 30th episode guest. This dynamic duo headed the Sexuality and Aging Training Institute at the Woodhull Summit in August. And when I visited them out by the pool in Alexandria, I proposed turning over this podcast to them as a team. And we sealed the deal over Indian food up in Massachusetts, where I grew up and they now live. I'll continue to produce the show, but Jane and Ashley will co-host, and they have marvelous guests and topics planned. It's an honor to be part of this next phase, and you listeners are going to love it. And that's the other reason. It's a good thing. So originally, when this podcast project began, it was going to be six months, and it was about a middle-aged prude taking on a topic that made her blush. And my husband, who is not a prude, proposed that this last episode of me doing it would be him interviewing me about the experience. And over this past year, he has been gathering his questions and smiling strangely when I ask what he's up to. So now you get to find out, as I did, what my better half wanted to ask. Enjoy. All right, so are you ready? Uh, <clears throat> no, I'm not. Because I am a prude, and you are not. <laughs> so who are you? Oh, I'm sorry, that's right. Uh, my name is Mark, Mark Mensch. I'm your husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been married for 20-odd years. We have. I'm going to ask, I've got some questions I want to ask you, and, uh... Oh! Okay. Okay. Now there's wine on the duvet. That awesome. One? Wait, i got to get... Cold water. Are you going to pause it, or are you going to fix it in post? I'll fix it in post. All right. In case it's not clear to the podcasting audience, she's reaching forward to move the computer closer and make sure we're recording, and she spilled her wine on... The duvet. For those who don't know, she can be a she can be a careless drunk. I'm a lightweight. All right. Okay. So how are you, Laura? I'm doing very well, thank you. Oh, you put on your podcast voice. <laughs> As you would expect, my first question is: What did you want to be when you were a little girl? <laughs> no, when you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? A writer. All right, this is going to be a really quick <laughs> podcast if I'm going to get one-word answers to every question I, I did. Have. That's all I wanted. I wanted to be a writer. Well, what happened with that? I became a writer. When did that happen? When I got a sugar daddy to pay the bills. <laughs> so what have you written? I have written four books. Right. A lot. Any of them any good? Some of them are pretty good, yeah. And I, uh, I've written a lot of essays and humor and some poetry and lots of stuff. What happens when you don't get to write? My husband says that I turn a little insane. You get cranky as <laughs> is what happens. <laughs> so, you've been doing this podcast for months and months and months. What, 30 some podcasts, but how long? Uh, 32 episodes. This will be 33, <clears throat> I think. Okay. How many conversations about your podcast do you think we've had? Countless. Many, many. You've yeah. been very helpful. Well, thank you. I still don't know why you wanted to do it. Would you take this time right now to explain what prompted you to do a podcast on sex? I suspected you might ask this question, and I have to say that if I look back on it, all I do is blush. And 
and think and it was some sort of temporary insanity. You still don't know why? I, I really can't explain it. It was just some sort of crazy idea that, why don't I, like, I'm, my kid's about to graduate, I'm my last kid at home, and I, I know that my life is going to change radically, and I might have to get a real job, and I just thought I'd do something completely out of the box. I think it's cute that a podcast on sex over 50 is your definition of completely out of the box. It gives me a real <laughs> sense of safety, you know? <laughs> All right. So, you know, you were talking about, you mentioned your kids. Can you tell your, your audience uh, how many kids you have and what flavors? I have two delicious children. One is of the female gender. Right. She is the older. And one is of the male flavor. And he is the younger, and he is the one who is just. Why is she a gender, and he's a flavor? Okay, they're both genders. They're both flavors. I misspoke. Okay. They're both delightful. All right. So my question is, and you you, you gave me a nice intro to it. How did your children react when they found out that their mother, their mother, was going to do a podcast about sex? Like telling my parents was not so scary. Telling my children was terrifying. And my daughter's eyes nearly rolled out of her head. And my son was absolutely unconcerned. Now, in episode one, you admit to never having been to a sex shop. True. That's been corrected since then. Yes. Tell us about that first time and what it was like. I thought that it would be dark and, and damp and, and strange. And that I would feel very uncomfortable. And I, I remember as we went in the door... It, Why don't you set the scene and... Oh, my God. Okay. Tell the Southern version. <laughs> we had were walking through Northampton, a town that I grew up near. and we. I grew up near there. No, but who's we, the we? You and me and our son. Our child. Our, our innocent child. Right. We're walking by mm-hmm. and they're seemed to be a store that advertised itself as being for women's pleasure. And so I immediately knew I had to go down there, even though we were in a hurry and you were you were ready to go. But you guys tolerated my crazy, as you usually do. Mm-hmm. And I went downstairs. I met the owner. I had a lovely visit. And I that was just one of the many things I had never thought to do or had done before. What was it like when you when you walked in? It was bright and and just charming and uh, filled with things that formerly had shocked me. But it was such a positive place, and it was it made me feel good about what I was doing, and hmm. it felt like wow, there are spaces that I'm I can go in. There's no reason I can't do this, and I was happy. You giggle a lot in the podcast. And I have to say, I've known you for 20-odd years, and the particular way you giggle in the podcast is not the same as when you giggle in real life, mostly. Can you explain that? Okay, there's something about doing these interviews. is that You can see the microphone, right? The microphone yes. right here is at like two feet from both of us. Right, right. it's a handsome thing. It but, can equally be a sex toy. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> um... When I record the podcast, I'm generally very close to right. it, and I've got earphones on. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I'm standing very close to the person, mm-hmm. and they're very close to me. There's something very intimate about talking directly to someone. And also, when the listeners are listening, they're listening very close. Right. So... I know you laugh at my podcast voice, but it has a lot to do with it. I feel like I'm actually whispering in people's ears. Well, I, I wouldn't say I laugh at your podcast voice. I'm just wondering, who is that person? Who, who is it? That's not my wife. That doesn't sound like my wife. You know, it's funny. As a writer, I find that when people meet me, after they've read a book I've written or an article I've written, they generally think that I'm a really... Like, they have these ideas about who I am. Right. Usually that I'm mean and notably one of one of my favorite reactions was that I was like Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada because when you're writing for a particular thing you sound a certain way and when you're speaking into someone's ears about sex it's a little different and when you and I are sitting here in our bed by the way 
um, it's different. So wait a minute. So, so what you're saying is, when you write, you use a writerly voice for whatever it is that you're writing, which is a kind of a different persona. So is the better half podcast persona different from the woman who's sitting in my bed right now? That's a different woman? It's part of her. But it's a different part without the other parts. There is something... There has been something very transformative about the You're fact that... You're evading the question. No, listen, no. I'm okay. Honestly, when I'm recording for this podcast, right. it's, it's very... This is the most challenging thing I've ever done like this. And I feel very different when I'm sitting there talking about sex. I don't talk about sex in public. So to me, it's it's a very close to the... Some I it's like I'm whispering in someone's ear about something that we're talking about and nobody else can hear us, kind of. So it's like you've seen my questions ahead of time because my I haven't. I haven't. She has not. So my my next one is now that you're at an end of the podcast, will you still talk about the clitoris with the kind of abandon and freedom that you did on your podcast? Will clitoris, vulva, vagina, penis, will all those words be tucked away into the into your, your psychological wardrobe dresser that no one's allowed to peek into. Listen, I'm wearing my clitoris ring. It, I, Honestly, God, I swear you've read my... That's my oh, sorry, what, What's going to happen? It's like you're looking like... Go ahead. Okay, you're wearing your we'll clitoris ring. No, I never wear this because right. I would feel very strange going in public wearing this. But something has happened. And one of the reasons that it's time for me to let go of the podcast mm-hmm. is that I am... I have been changed by this. It has changed some things about me. I am definitely more open-minded. It's almost like there was a door in the room that I've always been in, Mm -hmm. but I never opened it. I didn't feel like I should. I didn't need to. It wasn't for people like me. And then I opened it up, and there was a very nice party going on in there that I didn't know about. But. I'm still a prude. I mean, I I still feel as if there are private spaces and there are public spaces. And that it's... I've grown more open-minded about the way people talk about sex. My Twitter feed does not even phase me. It used to burn my retina. I mean, it was just so, so confronting. But I'm not shocked anymore. But I'm still a prude. I still don't want to talk in public about my sex life. I still feel there's a there's something about the intimacy of two people not sharing things all the time. And here's what I regret, though. I feel that throughout my life, by being a prude, I may have done some shaming by not speaking. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I didn't talk enough, probably, in front of my children. And that I may have caused people to be quieter about things that they wouldn't have. Because now that I do talk about this... I find that the people around me, some of them want to talk. I've heard things I <clears throat> never thought I would have heard, and maybe I was too closed. But I'm still not going to be wearing my clitoris ring out in public. I still don't plan to say orgasm or Kegel exercises to strangers in the supermarket. I think I'm still essentially the same person. Well, you say it, it's like you walk through a door and it changed you. And you it just did. Went, yeah, okay. Although you're essentially the same person, okay. Would you say, would you report that I still am? Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. You're you're essentially the same person, but you're different. You know, you're you're clearly different. But I'm curious what you think. Do you think that that the majority of people, if they had to do what you just spent the last six, eight months doing, ten months, however long, you think it would change the average person? I do. And actually... I'm going to say this is the truth. I recommend it because I think I confused privacy with secrecy in a way that I probably shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of shaming around sex. And to tell the truth, if we go back to why did I do this in the first place, there was a part of me that was a little angry, a little annoyed that the topic of sex over 50 or when you're older was somehow not only taboo but shameful. And I will say, I've always thought that was some BS. Mm -hmm. I I don't understand why people think that way. My parents didn't make me feel that that was true. I didn't grow up around people who thought that that sexuality and sex was only for young people. And I didn't think that I was supposed to hang up my 
my my own shingle. My <laughs> hang up my own sexuality in the later part of life. For goodness sake, I, you need it more in some ways because no, you're making a face. But uh, I in the earlier part of life, you're dealing with all kinds of other stuff, identity and 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 your relationships and work and family. In the second half of life, you're free of a lot of the restrictions, and you should enjoy your body. We've got like, you know, all kinds of other constraints coming at us, and illness, and and widowhood, and all the other problems. We should be able to. No, I wasn't speaking personally. Widowhood. No, what? no, speaking personally. We'll come to that question in a minute. No, no, no. I, but do you know something I don't know? No, no. I just mean that the later half of life has a lot of you know crap being thrown at you physically. You might as well enjoy. The one thing that we all have in common, which is our sexuality, whether we're talking about it in public or not, we all have sexuality. Except for people who are asexual. You did a podcast on the asexual. Uh, that was actually, come to think of it, one of my favorites because it really forced me to give some thought about that issue. Yes, some people don't want to have sex and aren't interested in sex when they're young or old. So, you know, I I get that. But... Most people are just keeping their sexuality secret. So, so you know, one of the things you've stressed over all these podcasts, you try to be non-judgmental, but you also, I know, because I have extra data beyond the podcast, that you don't like to assume sexual preference, you think we shouldn't assume gender, blah, 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 but we talk a lot, most cultures do, talk a lot about sex. Is it? Do you think that's offensive to people who are asexual, to hear people talking about that in the same way that... Uh, that gay men and gay women might be offended by the assumption that they're straight, that, you know... These, I do. You did. I do, and I think I was <clears> judgmental <throat> about that. Even though I'm a prude it doesn't talk about sex in public, I assumed everyone was interested in sex in private. Mm-hmm. And it opened my eyes to, you know, a variation. And of course there's going to be a variation. And I was I was kind of proud to bring that to the podcast because... Most people doing talking about sex in public are talking about, you know, more, better, bigger, longer, stronger. We shouldn't be shaming people for their interest or less interest. Well, what I was concerned with was the idea of shaming people for their sexuality and for for their interests. I, I now that I think about it, and I don't want to forget, uh, my mother will be moving to an assisted living facility, and um, you know, there's going to be a large coterie of both from which to choose. You'll have the sex talk with her, won't you? Uh, I, is that I'll not... Do that. You'll do that? Because I'm not having it. I, I'm qualified now. Yeah. Well, she never had it with me, so I don't feel like I owe her a sex talk about it. <laughs> she, she gives me clippings now. She listens. Oh, yeah. It's okay. awesome. Great. That's <laughs> wonderful. So, if your mother... I have a series of... Hypo, I've got a bunch of hypotheticals at the end, but this one occurred to me. If you got a call from your mother and father... And they told you, hey, you know, we've been listening to the podcast and, you know, as it turns out, make a long story short, we're really interested in the swinging set and we want to know what advice you can give us. How would you advise your mother and father to begin their alt-life as swingers? I'd say that there are a lot of resources out there for people who are interested in polyamory and swinging that I was totally unaware of. and that Really? That's the first thing you'd say to your mother? Yeah. I, I actually, that may be the biggest thing that I've just let go of. I really subscribe to the idea that the, the you know, the most appropriate situation for sex was monogamy. Right. I've let go of that. I mean, it, it monogamy is for me, definitely. Sorry. But it's not for everybody. And I think especially for older people and especially with the sex ratio difference in, older, in the older population and thinking about same-sex relationships as well, uh, I don't think that's a limit that is a helpful one for older people. So I'd, I'd say, wow, there's a lot of cool stuff out there to learn from. Go listen to Dan Savage. Go listen to all these wonderful resources. Those resources are a little bit ageist, I will confess. Mm-hmm. But I'd say push through it. There's, there's a lot to be learned and, and minds to be opened. So when you go to visit and after they've taken your advice and then they maybe they want to talk with you about these incredible experiences they've had with these swingers and the, the cruise ship they went on, you're going to listen to them? Okay, I'm a prude and I, I don't think anyone's coming to me with that stuff. 
but uh, all power to anyone who wants to go there. I honestly would say that. And if you'd asked me a year ago, right, I would have made some really squealy noises. And I'm actually happy that I'm my judgmentalness or judgment has has really been improved, and that makes me happy. Speaking of which, I'm curious if you've had <clears throat> any interesting offers during your time in uh, free sex land. Well, you know and, you have. <clears throat> I have because you were there and you, you know, we have been given invitations that we would formerly not have been given. Uh, it's always nice to be asked. It is nice to be asked. And I, I really, instead of thinking as I would have when I was younger and more judgmental, thought that was, you know, this is somehow sleazy or um, unpleasant. I'm just flattered and just tickled. And have met some lovely, lovely people. Well, tell us about the offers. <laughs> See? Okay. Come on. Nope, not going there. Why not? You don't have to divulge any names. Just explain what happens. Maybe this will encourage more people over 50 to start doing podcasts. Well, yeah. Okay, here's the thing. Right? If, I, you, if you're over 50... I think you're being a little judgy. No, no, listen. If, you want to, if you're over 50 and you want to start a <clears throat> podcast or get involved with sex education and, and these topics... You will actually be welcomed. There's not enough people doing it. And that's why I'm really glad that this podcast is being turned over to some other people who are exploring the issue. I I don't think we're talking enough about this, aging and sex. I don't think we're talking enough about the options. Ms. Clinton, if you could just answer the question. No, no, I'm not evading the question. I'm saying I'm a prude and I'm private about my sex life even when I'm propositioned. You're blushing right now. <laughs> You can't hear that, though. Okay. All right, so. so why over 50? Why not over 40? Or why not over 60? Uh, you know, it, it, because it's ha- it's more it's neat. I, I, I like the idea of the 50. I'm 55. I just thought looking at our lifespan is 100 years rather than, you know, the way we used to look at it. Because I think for people... Whose lifespan is 100 years? For our age group, our cohort, we can pretty much expect to go there. Oh, God, I hope not. Okay, well, let's move on from that. So you've said many times during this interview, which is why I've made this question number 11, because I knew you were going to use that word, that you're a prude. All right, so I don't know what a prude means. Can you can you define what that word means? Uh, take your time. And then are you, well, I, I guess you are still a prude. You say you're still a prude. But tell me what it means. Tell us what it means and what the implications are of being a prude. You know what? I, I would like to start a union of prudes. Oh my God! No, no, I, I won't. Next project. I won't. I won't. I, I have other things to do. But I actually think that it's a useful word, and I and I did get some criticism at first, who said that that was a shaming word, and I get that. But sometimes you own an insult, you know. And I'm owning this insult because I have always been among my my friends and compatriots, <clears throat> you know, the 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 one who was the most squeamish and, um, you know, uptight. But I think what I'm actually do uh, after all this, I, I'm so, actually embracing the uptight. Okay, so is that what a prude is? They're uptight? Yeah, but there's a difference between that and scold. And that, I think, is the thing that I learned the most about, is that there's a difference between a scold, who is someone who judges others for their level of disclosure, and there are a lot of scolds, in the world of sex, who scold people for being prudes. And there are hmm. certainly a lot of people in the mainstream world who are scolds about people being more open about sex. And I don't like scolds. All right, so I, I don't want to make this about me because I'm not half as interesting as you, but I'm trying to get to the definition. And you're being rather prudish about giving a real answer. Okay, well, so you, let you me, are let, my better half. So... <laughs> Would you call me a prude? No, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> so what is the difference then between you and me in this? What is it that makes me not a prude, but that makes you a prude? I think you're much more willing to talk about these issues. You're much more willing to engage with people and talk to people about this stuff. You are more relaxed about the topic of sex. You always have been. And that... Actually, it's been safe harbor for me to be more of a prude. I don't feel judged by you, but 
No, then you haven't been paying attention. You also enjoy a public conversation about racy topics more than I do. Whereas I'm at pains to make people comfortable. So is that a prude, someone who avoids difficult or racy topics so as not to make someone else uncomfortable? Or ourselves, yeah. Or yourselves. Okay, I think I, pride, I think pride so, is So wait, okay. so I'm trying to get to this. So, the, so a prude is someone who is uncomfortable talking about certain topics because it makes them feel uncomfortable. So so no, you were a prude. No, it's, it's about privacy. I don't think there's anything wrong with privacy. Mm-hmm. I don't need everyone to know my everything. I really don't. And on this podcast, I have talked about other people's sex life to the degree that they wish to, but I don't talk about mine, and I'm not going to talk about mine now. I think that's okay. You could talk about yours right now. We can fix it in post. <laughs> I have an amazing, wonderful sex life. That is as that's much as true. I'm going I can to say. independently verify I, that. That is as much as I'm going to say is that I have. Really? That's it? I have. Perhaps. Could you do a reference for me on LinkedIn, just in case? I am some... willing to do that, Okay, yes. well, I appreciate it. So how old are you again? 55. All right. So what would the 55-year-old Laura have to say to the young Laura in the 15 minutes before the first time she had sex? Take it. What? Take it more seriously. Oh, my not God. take it. No. Jeez. Take it more seriously. I, I think I did not... So take it more seriously. Take it more seriously and take it less seriously. Because, okay, I know that sounds... Really? No, really. Here, let me explain. How did you get a podcast? I know. I made. I gave myself this job. No, it's the... It's the I, I, it's, take it more seriously in that, you know, sex... Pay attention to sex. Don't just let it happen. Don't just do whatever you feel at the moment necessarily. Like, take it seriously. It's, it's emotionally and often physically perilous stuff to get involved with someone physically. Hmm. I think it should be taken more seriously. On the other hand, it also shouldn't be taken so seriously that you can't just be in the moment and enjoy. And I think I my uptightness probably kept me from some perils, but uh you know the point of sex is to have fun and did did you have fun? <laughs> No comment. No comment. No comment. I don't think that we have to disclose everything to to the public. I think that having private spaces, having, you know, intimate relationships that aren't shared with other people makes it special. For me. Hmm. Well, I guess you're not setting yourself up as an expert. So you're not not telling people what to do. Not at all. So it's not like you have an obligation to divulge your own behavior. I don't. And, and in a way, I want to actually say <clears throat> it's okay to not talk about it. You know, we live in an age of disclosure. It isn't necessarily for everyone. I'm not saying that people who are into disclosure are doing the wrong thing for themselves. I'm saying that I think some of us don't want to do that. And it's not because we're bad people or we have bad sex lives or we're broken. It's privacy. And that's okay. How often do you post on Facebook? What do you mean? Like, well, do you think that... I, I have never that, posted my sex life on Facebook. Okay. All right. So some things are private and other things are not. Yes. Well, I am to some degree a public figure because I'm a writer. So I put things out to the public. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty careful about that. And I certainly, you know, don't... You know, I don't want to disclose things that would be harmful to my loved ones. So is this awkward for you, having an interview about you? Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay. So when you think about those 30-odd podcasts, are there two or three things that were really important that you learned over that time? Yeah. What are the, give us the two or three most important things you think you learned over that stretch. If I had more time, I could probably come up with a better answer. But my spontaneous answer? Yeah. Okay, I know. I ask people questions for a living, but um, the first thing that comes to mind is I think I have a better sense of, I think I fell into the idea of sex being something that is this event with a beginning and end between two people, and it has to do with an orgasm, and it has to, you know, generally have to do with a male orgasm, and I think that 
that idea of sex and the idea that that's what sex is, is gone for me now. I no longer believe in virginity. I no longer believe that sex is about, you know, one or two people having an orgasm. I have a much broader sense Mm -hmm. of sex. It's not this event like I used to think. So no more worry about the male orgasm. <laughs> I'm sorry, you lost me after you dropped that bomb. I'm just saying that the the especially when you're talking to a lot of people about sex over fifty, this these ideas about sex being about a guy having an orgasm or that both people have to have an orgasm. It you know, letting go of that seems to be a key to happiness for a lot of people. And yet you tell your audience every week to go have a a nice orgasm. I do. Mostly because it just tickles me that me, of all people, says orgasm that often. So you don't really mean it. No, no, I do mean it. I do mean it. It's not that I don't mean it. But you just said it's not about the orgasm. I just assumed that people were having nice orgasms. Can you describe a not nice orgasm? (laughs) What would that be like? I, I don't know. I just think it's... We don't welcome people. We don't, we're not nice about sex. We are kind of in public where sex is something that we kind of say somebody takes from another person or they do to another person or it just seems not nice. So the idea that we're not only saying have a nice orgasm, but we're saying that older people have orgasms like most Almost all older people have orgasms. It, like not being, not making that something you don't do. Were you afraid if you said go out and have an explosive, earth-shattering orgasm that someone might have a heart attack? So you were maybe like downgrading the orgasm for old people. So just have a, you know, just have a no, nice just, one. We need don't to, go crazy. No, we need to God stay forbid. in my house. Should... Is what we need to do here. That's what I'm trying to do. Is I was trying to keep it within. Something that I can do. Is that what you're calling it now? Your wheelhouse? I hate that phrase. What I'm saying is, it still had to be me. And so, for you, orgasms are nice. (laughs) No, I just mean, I'm not going to tell people to have explosive (laughs) orgasms. But you feel okay. It's more of a have a nice day recommendation. Kind of like a CDC thing. You know, you have three servings of vegetables. Or a nice Good orgasm. Morning America. You it's like a nice piece of fish. You never hear anyone say, "Go out and have a tremendous explosive fish." fish. Right. Okay. Have a so go out and have a nice orgasm. I'm so. just saying that orgasms, old people, it's okay. All right. Okay. It's a good answer. On a scale of one to ten, rate all of your lovers. So no comment. All right, just rate one of them. Top, most important, most wonderful, most skilled, yes, most delicious, whoever most that might be, wonderful lover. Yeah, is you. And the rating? A hundred and ten percent. Oh, that's right. No one's a ten. First of all, no one's a ten. I'll settle for a nine-five, and we'll blame it on the Russian judge. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. I, I thought I'd get something out of that one, but but no. You know, we've been talking about sex mostly, but you did something new here, which you hadn't really done any sort of professional capacity, which was interview people week after week. What did you learn about interviewing? Okay, to tell the truth, the whole project was I did want to learn how to podcast. Mm -hmm. And I chose a topic that would really challenge me. And I love this medium. I, I love sound. I love voice. I'm a radio nut. Um, I always have been, I remember having give, being given a radio show when I was like 12 or 13 at Amherst College. And I just, oh. so this has been fun doing this. I'm mm-hmm. learning how to edit and learning how to interview. I really have some uh, bad habits that I had to learn not to do. I had to learn how to interview better. And I'm loving learning a new skill. That That is actually a lot of fun. Do you find it easier to interview or be interviewed? Be interviewed. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it's much easier. So any other, I mean, let's assume you've spawned an entire fleet of 
over 50 sex podcasters as a result of this, now that you're dropping the baton, are going to pick it up and go out and assault the, the alt world with questions. In terms of interviewing skills, what would you suggest? Do you have any interviewing tips for newcomers? Curiosity. I, I mean, that's really what it's about. You can fix everything else. <laughs> I, I edit these heavily. I take out all the ums and errs and bad questions and bad answers. It's curiosity. I'm really curious about people. I'm really curious what they're going to say. And All right, here's a question for you. So you're very curious, but you know, because I know you, I know when you're sort of holding back, you, you find yourself not asking questions you did want to know the answers to but felt they were impolite. Did your prudishness hold you back? Hmm. Okay, that is an excellent question. Because oh, really? We've been sitting here for an hour, but that's the first question that's excellent. Wow. Wow. Okay. Sensitive much? Let's take this out and post. Oh, no. This you want out, huh? I do. Okay. No, it's... Okay. It's a good question. It's a good question. What was the question? Okay, no more wine for you. The <laughs> question is, have you ever not asked something you were really yeah. interested in asking because of your prudishness? Or... You just were scared. Do you know what? That's why it's really good that I did it on sex. Because everything I was asking was hard for me. And so this forced me to just ask. Now, there, I do remember a couple of times where I said something and my heart nearly stopped before I got the answer because I thought, oh no, I've gone too far. Uh, but that never happened. I I think if I was going to give someone advice, pick a topic that's outside your your comfort zone and just go for it. Well, that's a good answer. Oh. You mean all this time we've been talking and that's the first time I had a good answer? Set you up for that. You took it. See? You took it. Yeah, good job. I took it. Good job. Have you ever confused, in the last six months, confused kegels with kugel? And if so, what happened? <laughs> I Like can, someone invited you over no, for kugel? I, I have you never. You couldn't remember if it was I can say kugel that, or kegels? I can say that every time I say kegel or kegel... I do think of Kugel, which is confusing, but I say Kegel and Kegel pretty much evenly. Yeah. Um, but I do know the difference. Right. So if you go into a deli and there's Kugel, do I'm you clear. get a physical response to that? I do not, but I have a rule that whenever I'm doing the Kegel, um, when I talk about Kegels, yeah. like right now, yeah. I do them. Are you doing them now? I'm doing them now. Right while you speak? Yes, because it's a rule. You know, I'm very rule bound. <laughs> okay. So, you know, a common phrase in our culture is casual sex. I'm curious. I know how you would have answered this a year ago. I don't know now. Do you think we can ever really have... Do you think sex can ever really be casual? And if you do, explain it. Wow, I'm going to sound like such a old, prude? old fogey and prude. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm really not a fan. I know a lot of people who are fans, and, I, and I'm happy for them. But I just take that sort of physical intimacy too seriously and it just feels too fraught for me to endorse it but i don't i don't feel like i'm judging anyone who for having it does that make sense i just i would if somebody was about to have casual sex i would want to pull them aside and say here's some things you might just that i don't know i i would feel i just it sounds like your answer is no you can't have casual sex i can't not talking about my own sex life, but... Well, no, you just said you can't. I'll tell it. She can't have casual sex. I know I used to date her. She can't. <laughs> but do you think it's possible for someone else with a different set of values? Or I different... do. You I do. do? I do. But I think I would still want to pull them aside and say and tell them all the reasons why that might not be a good idea. So objectively, you don't think it's possible. You think someone can be casual about it, but you don't. you think sex is such a serious matter... Okay. It should be taken. Seriously. I wash my hands after I handle eggs. I recently learned that I probably don't need to, that it's probably okay, that you can you can make egg dishes and not wash your hands every time you touch the outside of a raw egg. But I still do it and I'm still gonna do it and I would it's just I don't know. Getting back to the prude thing, can you tell me can you tell us when you realized you were a prude and do you enjoy being a prude? Hmm. I'm not proud to be a prude. I. It's not like I feel like I should recruit people to prudery. I've had, I've been embarrassed by being prude a lot, often in life. Really? Yeah. Like I, when? I've often felt judged, um, and 
I felt as if I should be more free and easy. I remember when I was a small child, um, some adults, I was helping them with, take care of their baby, and we walked by a body of water, and they decided that they should that they wanted to go for a swim, and so I held the baby while they got naked and went in the reservoir. And that is one of those signal moments in my mind where I remember, wow, this is... They're comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable. I need to pretend I'm comfortable with this. So you were prudish when you saw people that you didn't know that well get naked and go for a swim. I knew them very well. It, oh. it didn't matter. I, I just, So whether you know them well, people you're not intimate with, seeing them naked, naked is awkward for you. It was, it was one of the first... So how does this relate to public breastfeeding? Breastfeeding mm. is just breastfeeding. And people who have trouble with breastfeeding in public, yeah. that's not about prudery. That's about not understanding basic biology and, you know, the life of, a, of parents and children. Breasts are not a sexual object. Really? Yes. They're not? Right. Hmm. Okay, I wasn't... So then why do you wear a shirt when you go outside? Okay, some cultures don't, but... Right, uh, okay, but in our culture, isn't it widely perceived that It might be a are... good idea to look at the human being as a whole person and not just take off their parts that way. I'm editing this all out, you know that. Okay, well, we're in the home stretch now. Uh-huh. So the last series of questions for you, my dear, are, are hypotheticals. We're going to have a little fun. And I would like to say, if you edit this, this stuff out in post, you have no integrity whatsoever as a podcaster. And you say to your audience that I've got uh, three or four questions here. If you don't hear them all, it's because they've gone down the memory hole. Mm. Hmm. So I want you to imagine, you're just close your, imagine yourself single again, right? Maybe I've passed away in some untimely way or I've been kicked to the curb, but you're now single. And over the last 30 podcasts, interviews you've had, you've talked to swingers asexuals, porn actors, BDSM enthusiasts, and so on. I guess I have two questions. The first one is, what would be your first call? Blue Apron. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. What would be your first call of a sexual nature? I'm not training any new partners. I'm good. You know, I'm going to be one of those widows who just, you know... Just enjoys life, maybe takes a lover later on, but I am not interested in, this is it, this is it. I, you, you and I have a good thing, that, that, that's the end of that. Okay, again, you're single, you don't, do you see yourself at some point trying something truly new? You know, you're 55, 56, 57. It's going to happen that soon. It could, you know, I lead a reckless life, and but it, let's say it does, and you know, you, you still present well. Things could still happen. Is there, is there any, out of all these months of talking to all these different people, something you give a shot? I actually think I'm just going to be the same person. Honestly. And I'm happy with who I am. And I'm happy with my, my fairly monog- monogamous ways. Fairly monogamous? Very monogamous. Hey! <laughs> you tricked me. I'm happy with my prudish In private what ways, ways are you not monogamous, woman? No, what I mean is I'm still going to be the same as I am now. I'm actually more comfortable now with my own sexuality and my my relationships and my sense of self around this okay. than I was before. Okay, so we've established that. You're, you're not going to change. So I have a hypothetical question for you. You've talked to people who've had who have swung, who have had threesomes, and so on. I want to ask you, I've got a selection of what are called FFM threesomes. Do you know what FFM is? Yes, I do. You didn't a year ago. No, I did not. For those who may not know, it means female, female, male. Mm -hmm. And I have to confess to my own limitation, I was originally going to do an FMM threesome, but it was too painful for me to even consider. So I went with FFM, because that was at least more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So... Of these three choices, which would you be most likely to choose? And you have to choose one. You cannot cop out. But I don't talk about my sex life. Right. This is a, this is this is alt universe, Laura. You know how Superman had an alternate. You, there was you know Superman in the alternate universe. This is. Then we have to find an alternate podcast. 
Okay, no. Listen, just answer the damn questions. All, all right. right. So the first one is your best, and you're one of the F's, by the way. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other one is your best friend from, friend from childhood, mm-hmm. and Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. That's one FFM. Mm-hmm. The second one is Sophia Vergara mm-hmm. and George Takei. And the third one is Tom Ellis, the guy who plays Lucifer on that Fox TV show, mm-hmm. and Helen Mirren. I think the latter, will, will, in a fantasy world, will go with that. So Tom Ellis and Helen Mirren? Yeah, yeah. Okay. If you can get me Helen Mirren's number <laughs> after that, that would be super. Okay. So, again, hypothetical Laura. Mm. It's a couple swinging weekend. There's a theme here. Okay, I'm just on. curious. Mm-hmm. So it's a, but now, you know, maybe it's you and me. Okay, so let's say it's you and me. Maybe mm-hmm. you have to take my... Con- but don't take my considerations. It's all about you, baby. It's all about you. So it's a combination of who and where. So the first couple is Kanye and Kim in Cancun. For those... Because it's radio, you don't... Or podcast, you don't know. She's got a miserable expression on her face. I chose them because I like the alliteration. So Kanye and Kim in Cancun. Oh. Fred and Ginger in Oxford, Mississippi at the Faulkner House. Mm-mm. Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence anywhere. Okay, obviously... Hold on, I'm not done. Mm. Or Carl Sagan and Marilyn Monroe on a cruise ship. Okay, the Carl one is a little... Is a little it, it, that You're making... You're throwing a spoiler in there, but obviously it's Fred and Ginger and Faulkner. You would have sex with Fred and Ginger. Oh, no, actually not. No, right. That's not about sex. Yeah. No, it, I, Carl Sagan and Marilyn Monroe I, I don't Monroe mean to be ageist. You know he was my first crush. That's why you're saying that. Yes. So you have to choose. Okay. Let's go with the with the died-too-early people at the end. Sagan so, and M- Monroe. On a cruise ship. Ew. Okay. I, I'm sorry. You're, you're giving lots of... It's... The, uh, these are confusing. Okay, so I'll get I'll send a note to Kanye and Kim. It looks like they're Blah! The All right, you're familiar with the term Laura F Mary Kill? Oh, honestly. Yes. Come on. You knew this was coming up. F Mary Kill. All right. I've got two FMKs coming up. Mm. Here's the first group. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Chris Wallace. I can't do it. I can't I can't do it. I can't any of these. No. F. Mary Kill. We're Trump, not going. Clinton, no, Wallace. I, no, no, not going there on any of this. Well, tell us why. Because I'm just, no, no. Is it political or is it, you know, there's zero consequence to this. You don't even have to wear a condom when you give the answer. It's it's just so depressing. I don't want to think about it. Can I try another one? No, no. This F. Mary I Kill. I think this one I is easier. I don't like F. Mary Kill. That's a terrible thing. It is, but it's pretend. It's, I don't like it. Prudes don't like things All like right, that. Well, I'll give you the... You Prudes can... don't like that. Oh, really? Really. So this is... So I'm being prudist. Yes. Being anti-prude. You are. This is ridiculous. Okay, how about this set? I think it's cowardly of you, by the way, not to take a stand. Fine. All right. Neil Patrick Harris, Hugh Jackman, John Stewart. Oh, very different look <laughs> on your face now. Very different look. What do I get to do with John? F, marry, or kill. I don't play this game. <laughs> Move on. All right. Okay, so I'm going to ask prognosticator Laura what she thinks the world will look like from a sexual perspective in 50 years. What do you think will be different? This is my last question, sweetie. Wow. Okay. Based on what I'm seeing, I think that we're definitely moving towards... You're making all sorts of noises that I'm going to have to I'm take sorry, out. My leg fell asleep. I'm not used to Don't make sitting noises. upright in the bed for this long. Okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, based on what I'm seeing, I think that sex over 50 is going to become a thing. Partly because someone, we're all aging. But I think we're no longer going to look at it as a shameful conversation. I think nursing homes and caregivers for older people are no longer going to treat sex as superfluous. I think that's going to be part of the discussion when people are in care at the end of life. And we're going to respect those relationships and that need. 
and not treat people like they're sexless. I think we're going to have way more technologies for enjoying sex because there's that's a real thing that's happening. Virtual reality is going to be a big part of that. And I think sex is just going to be less shameful. I think young people are bringing a much less shameful view to sex. Yeah. Wait, there's also another thing. This is sexism. I think treating sex as something that's for guys, that women put up with, which is pretty much what our generation kind of thought of it as make make men happy and women can be happy as an incidental thing. I think that's going by the wayside. And I think as we're in when we look forward, sex for women and for all genders and we're getting a full range of genders now is just going to be happier. Laura, thank you. (laughs) Shall we have a little kiss and say goodbye to the podcast? Okay. Thank you for tolerating my podcast. You're welcome. You're the best. (laughs) Thank you, all people, for being part of this show. This has been one of the best, strangest most fun things I've ever done. I pushed my comfort zone off a cliff and I learned heaps and I grew up a bit in different ways. I've been beyond pleased that this little project got the attention it did and that I made the friends I have and for this little treasure trove of mementos that would have shocked me greatly a year ago, but now just make me smile. Thank you to the listeners, the letter writers, the guests, and the lovely correspondents, especially Alberta Knish, Dr. Rosalind Baculum, Marina Maklos, and Dr. Sandra Schroer. Thank you to the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Foundation for the scholarship, to my long-suffering and amazing lover and husband, Mark, to my parents and kids and friends, and very much to Jane and Ashley for taking up the microphone where I am right now, dropping it. I'm leaving you with some of the laughs that we've enjoyed this year. Old people, do your kegels, get your orgasms on, and enjoy. Hey, this is Dan Savage from the Savage Lovecast and Savage Love, and you're listening to a Swing Set podcast at Swing Set FM.